welcome to the Dietitian Against Diets podcast. Um, as you see, the background is a little bit different today as we're doing everything virtually in light of what's going on with the epidemic. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to my guest today. His name is Dr. Miles. He is an internal medicine and infectious disease specialist doctor. Great conversation. He's going to tell us a lot about some of the things when it comes to how we can have more precautions with the particular situation with the COVID-19 that's happening. So it's going to be a great podcast. Uh, before moving forward, I want to um, give acknowledgement to one of my um, biggest partners in uh, helping this podcast be a part of programming. Um, and that's Midwest Dairy. Um, uh, advocating for their undeniably dairy campaign, where they're helping the uh, community, helping you all understand the importance of why dairy is there. Um, <clears throat> So one of the biggest questions is, you know, is dairy healthy? And obviously as a dietitian, I can vouch for that. But understanding when just one glass of milk, you're getting nine essential um, nutrients that it's going to help for your body as far as building your body, as far as building your bones, and all the important things that you're going to need um, just to kind of thrive in life. Uh, <clears throat> some of the milk facts, I say, I want to take a quick closer look at to, you know, some of the for nutrients that you are getting. So we know that protein is a is a, is a component of um, drinking your milk and it's, it's good for your body as far as building your, your immunity system and building your uh, your muscles. Um, consider uh, what vitamin D and what calcium and what phosphorus does. That's particularly helpful with your bones, whether it's your teeth, um, and just help to build them be stronger. Vitamin A is good for your skin and it's good for your eyes. And B12, we all know B12 is great for our functioning, for our neurological functioning, and also for our just for blood formation so in these times you know when no matter if it's strawberry milk chocolate milk skim milk whole fat milk it's they're all still going to come with these nine essential um nutrients that your body needs so i want to encourage you guys to continue to bring in dairy as a major part of your life and as your daily regimen um get ready to hear a great conversation with dr miles well, hello, everyone. This is Prashanda Thornton, the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. Uh, I have with you, have with me today an interesting guest. Um, his name is Dr. Miles. He's a St. Louis physician. He specializes in infectious disease, and he's an internal, do internal medicine doctor. Um, and not only that, but he has a pretty big track record, um, all the accomplishments he's done over the last years. I'll briefly give a synopsis, but I know he'll do a better job at kind of detailing it a little bit. Um, but he, um, not only as a, as a physician, he also served in the U.S. Army, um, and he completed his research um, in the military HIV research program in D.C. Um, he worked in uh, Maryland for a while and then found his way back to St. Louis in 2013, where he started his own, uh, he started the Infectious Disease Clinic at Mercy. So bringing it full circle, he has a clinic here, uh, practice here in St. Louis, um, and he works um, hand in hand with his, with his patients. And he has an interesting way in which he um, stands out in the way he interacts with um, his clients. One thing that his patients, one thing that I do um, admire about him and the giving timing that we have, he specializes in infectious diseases. I know that he will come with some great information for everyone um, on this show. Um, I know him personally. We met um, at a, on a panel uh, last year, was it? Uh, Edwards yeah. Jones. When we were yeah. having a discussion among other healthcare professionals that came from different realms, whether it's mental health, community health, me and nutrition, and him as physician, and how we can help the uh, audience understand um, health and how to address it and how to what resource they have around them. So through that connection, we just kind of uh, continue to communicate and we respect each other's practices. So I'm very delighted and grateful to have you on my show today, Dr. Miles. Welcome. Thank you, Rashonda. I appreciate it. 
Oh no, you're so welcome. Um, let me know if I if I missed anything in there when I was giving a description of you. No, you just made <laughs> I know me it's like a an lot. old man though. <laughs> you you did you, you did have a lot, do. so it's very commendable. <laughs> Thank you so much. You you did me justice. I appreciate that. Oh, well, you're welcome. Um, well, it's a pleasure again, like I said, to have you here. And you know, as I'm reading through like just kind of your accomplishments. I mean, it's so much more that you do that you've done under those layers. Uh, but I know it all comes to head as to like where you're at now. So my biggest question, my first question to you is, um, you know, who did you just wake up saying I just want to be a physician? You know, did you just grow up saying that? And if so, what 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 brought you to be in the field that you, especially that you are as a physician? Very good question. I've been asked that question a lot as I go and talk to communities and, and uh, young students who are interested in becoming uh, physicians. And interesting enough, I, I've known that I wanted to be a doctor ever since I was about 10 years old, which is you know very unique and different. Uh, but my mother was my inspiration for wanting to become a physician. She was not a doctor. My mother had maybe a sixth grade education, but she had a she had a religious duty or felt that she had a religious duty to go around in the community and help everyone that was sick or who could not come to church on Sunday. So there was one kid who was pulling at her dress tail saying, can I go with you? Can I do okay. anything? What, what can I do? And believe me, yeah. my, again, my mother had no nursing skills or she certainly didn't have a medical degree or anything like that. But she allowed me to do whatever I could to help her take care of the sick and shut in, as they were called. Uh, uh, I back remember in those it. Days. Yeah. Yeah. And so if that was just putting a, a cool towel on their head, sweeping their floors, making them uh, meals to eat, uh, anything that we could do to make them feel better. She started me doing that at about the age of about 10 years old. And from that, just reading a lot of books and and finding out about a lot of people, and a lot of them were nurses, uh, people who started the Red Cross and things like that. I was a prolific reader. I read about 20 some books a day just about as a kid. And a lot of it was associated with healthcare. And, and those things kind of promulgated in myself to want to become a, um, a doctor. Now, this is interesting because around that time, I was serious. I wrote to the American Medical Association in the fifth grade at 10 years old to say, what do I need to do to become a physician? I still have the letter here. I, I, um, I, I show it to my daughters. One of them wants to become a doctor and she just shakes her head and like, yes, dad, we know you <laughs> wrote the letter to the AMA when you were 10 years old and they responded to you, well, first, finished high school and then uh, college. And they gave me a list of prerequisites that I would need to do in order to become a physician. And I, I hung on to that letter. I really, um, I really, you know, let that be my roadmap in terms of where I was going to go. Huh. And then that, and then from there, after, we, and get, after getting your medical, medical degree, you went into the military, correct? Yeah. Like prior from, or doing or how did they, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, from high school. I graduated high school and went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., and actually has a, I have a degree, a bachelor of science degree in physician assistant. So I actually was a okay. PA for about four years prior to uh, going to med school. Uh, I had an outstanding 
private HBCU experience. If anyone has gone to an HBCU, they'll know what I'm talking about. And I had some great teachers that were, they really put into us that we had to be social engineers, that we had a special community and a special population that we had to be concerned about. And if the, if the needs of that population was not being met, that we had to develop the resources to meet those needs. Mm. So they put a lot of pressure upon us at, at my school uh, as a physician assistant, uh, actually, to go into our communities to bring health care and medicine from the ivory tower, so to speak, down to mm -hmm. the community level. Uh, thank goodness for that, because certainly that's, that's what I'm doing right now. But after... Yeah after working as a PA for about four years, and it was in lots of different things uh, to include corrections. Uh, I was a community uh, PA at a community hospital at one point. I did addictions research for the, um, for the National Institute of Health. Um, and then I did um, the AIDS uh, clinical trials unit at Howard University. I was a PA working there as well. And I believe that's what's more shaped my wanting to continue mm -hmm. working with HIV and AIDS, even through medical school at, at University of Maryland, Baltimore, and then graduating there and doing my postgraduate training at Walter Reed Army Medical Center as an intern, a resident, and then later on as a fellow. I think I was, I was there for nine years or more. trying to have that been there for a while. Yes, I was. I was there for nine years or more, just trying to hone my craft at being the best physician that I could be, knowing that I was going to have to go back to my community and be this social engineer if possible. In reference to yeah. not everything that we learned was geared towards the minority population, the mm -hmm. HIV/AIDS population, the gay, lesbian population, all these little small populations that may get thrown to a side and they kind of expected us to be able to talk to all those populations and take the the knowledge and training that we had to make sure that we were meeting the needs of all those other populations as okay. well so essentially adapting so, exactly to your, to your to your community um and so like even with that you know is that you know what you reflect in your practice now um in regards to your your population Absolutely. So um, right now I'm in South St. Louis City. I'm in the Watson Medical Building and I've been there since July of 2018. Uh, coming to St. Louis, I started out at a major hospital here, a, a Mercy Hospital, and I actually started their infectious disease clinic. Uh, was there for several years and went over to St. Luke's Hospital. But now I'm doing it on my own. I'm, a, I'm an internal medicine doctor doing primary care. So I take care of people with high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, all of the normal things. I do exams for, uh, for FMLA and disability and, and things like that. Uh, that's about 75% of my, my practice. The other 25% okay. is specialty care, uh, mainly towards infectious diseases, where I get the opportunity to actually take care of HIV positive patients, patients who want PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis and they don't want to get HIV, but they're high risk. So I'm, I, I offer that. I take care of patients who may have been exposed to tuberculosis, STDs, you name it. Uh, as an infectious disease trained specialist, I get to also do those types of things for about 25% 
of the practice that I'm seeing there um, at uh, at Miles Healthcare. Okay, so you're basically able to do, you know, collaborate some of your specialties with, with your foundation of practice. You may have to provide those services for those particular patients. I mean, even having that specialty, um, do you find, you know, there's a this large health um, disparity amongst um, even, I guess, the population that you serve that may not um, have this type of care or recognize that this care is available? And if so, like, what are ways in which you've been able to kind of get your services out into those communities to where they recognize that this is accessible? Well, uh, you what you're talking about is geared towards healthcare disparities and talking about social determinants and things like that. And I've been doing that throughout my whole practice uh, where I want to make sure I meet those, those needs of those other populations. I recently spoke at Washington University to a group of city developers and in, in terms of when you're when you are mapping out the city should you take health care uh, into consideration and if so how does that differ and what i was able to share with them is social determinants of health we have lots of people that their health is determined by the zip code in which they live mm -hmm. so now i'm in south st louis city versus i was in the creed core area and I go to church and do a lot of things in North County. So if you can imagine the patient population that I have, and, and I have a nice sized patient population, some people are traveling from 100 miles out to come to see me there at, uh, in St. Louis. It's all very different. You have people who come in who know exactly what's going on with them. They bring me mm -hmm. something off of research that they've done off of the computer, and they're challenging me on the newest things that are out and asking me, why don't I have it there at Miles Healthcare? On the other spectrum, I have some people who I basically say, respect the white lab coat. They come in, they look at the floor, they, I ask questions, they answer questions, and it's whatever the doctor says is what I'm going to do. A lot of times in, in those situations, these people don't know their blood pressures. They don't know their HIV status. They don't know what is good for them in terms of nutrition and things like that. And so that requires a lot more time and energy and education to make them more informed uh, uh, patients who can become part of a team. I'm a, I'm a former military guy, so I look at this as a, a, as a war against um, illness and sickness, and I want you to be the best soldier that you can be to fight this war off. So I'm not the person that's just gonna tell you what to do and then wait three months to see if you've done it or not. I truly want someone to be a part of a team and you're bringing things to me and you're challenging me and, and you're telling me uh, how, or asking me how I can help you be as healthy as you can be. And so with that population that I, that I have, it's very, very, very. Well, you know what? That's one of the things that, that stood out to me when um, we were part of that panel and how you encourage patients to come with questions, ask questions. Don't just follow whatever the doctor says. You know, you, it, it's not saying don't listen to what he's saying, but perhaps you understand why he's saying these things or even just not let him just give you some over you know surface answer, but be able to give you some more depth because Again, do you just want a physician that just going to give you a prescription only or someone that's going to help you to, you know, understand what can you do with, you know, in light of having this medication if needed? And how can you create preventive ways to where, whether it's just being informed, being educated, understanding preventive measures to help that person 
uh, flourish through life and be, you know, give them autonomy, give them accountability where they feel the, they feel, they feel the uh, confidence to, you know, improve their own health. Absolutely. That makes the best patient. If you have, if you come to me with that sense of thinking about what's going to happen with that visit and you're bringing things with you and you're asking great questions, we do understand uh, by the literature that with having an internal medicine doctor on your team, that the average life expectancy is 85 plus. And let me tell you, if you don't have a good internist on your mm. team, or if you're not going for your preventive health, some of the things that you just mentioned, breast cancer screening, mammography, uh, high blood pressure checks and things like that, that that life expectancy is very low. If you begin to look at zip codes where these people are living, the life expectancy within a five mile radius can be much lower for someone who's living in St. Louis City versus someone who's living in St. Louis County. I like to talk about those things with my patient in terms of what is it about St. Louis County? Why? What's the difference? Uh, and we begin to talk about housing issues, talk about food and nutrition issues uh, and other things like that. There may be yeah. opportunities and resources in the county that are not in the city, and we have to bridge that gap. We have to first inform you about it and then allow you to uh, and help you make good decisions about the things that you're eating, where you're living, uh, and other environmental behavior type things. So when yeah. you look at healthcare, it's about 20% genetics, no matter what I do for you. If, if you got that bad gene that's going to give you high cholesterol and that bad gene is going to give you high blood pressure, there's really nothing I can do to, to change. I can help manage that. I can help, you know, uh, uh, mitigate some things with that. And then there's about uh, maybe maybe 20 percent that is health, you know, that things that we can do. And then there's 60 percent that's social behavior type things. What are you eating? Where are you living? What are you getting your sleep? Are you are you drinking water? I mean, all these other things. Are you managing your stress? Because living here in St. Louis, mm -hmm. and, and especially right now with everything that we got going on, this can be a detriment to your health. So 60% of looking at good outcomes, which is what we want to do, is going to be based on social behavior type things. And you know what? I'm so glad that you just kind of put it in numbers to, to show the weight of you know yes. what components can contribute to better health because the social it's a holistic approach you know it's your environment it's your culture it's you know it's not just the education so many components to it but it's also the heavier driver <laughs> yes. towards your health yes. and to understanding like that needs to be addressed and how can a person begin to address it is what's going to um, empower them to make those changes within that dynamic to overall improve their health. So, I mean, again, that's just, that's just like a, I wanna call it a nugget that people have not looked at it in, in, that, in those pockets and recognize the degree at which one contributes, the genetic component, your health component, and then just what are your surroundings. Um, and I think even, even as a physician, you know, that's not something common that comes out of the mouth of a physician. Now, it, it, I want for some, for some people that are watching or, or maybe um, still they're learning too, could you just really quickly distinguish between an internal medicine doctor and a um, physician, a primary care physician? Absolutely. You know, we got a call yesterday, I believe it was, in the office, someone who was looking for a general practitioner. 
There's no such thing as a general practitioner anymore. They went away yes. by the wayside years ago. And believe mm-hmm. me, you don't want a general practitioner because basically that that means that they 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 did some training in a little bit of a lot of different places, but they have no expertise in anything. And, and in today's world, we're all specialized. So we have a lot of training and certain things that we know are going to make a difference. So as an internal medicine doctor, I went through an additional three years of training past going to four years of medical school. In that three years of training, I uh, managed and took care of the sickest of the sickest patients. These are patients who were admitted to the hospital for acute care. So intensive care units, critical care units, coronary care units. Uh, And these patients are typically 18 years old and older. It used to stop at 65 and then there's a specialty called geriatrics, but there's not a lot of uh, geriatricians out there. So we still have to take care of those patients as well. And our training afforded us the opportunity to do that. We spent uh, every year, we spent about eight months inside the hospital, which I think where that internist came from, inside the hospital, taking care of the sickest patients. Now, in addition to that, I did an additional three years of training in infectious diseases where I could actually focus and, and narrow my training down to treating people with infections, whether they be viral infections, bacterial infections, fungal infections, parasitic infections, and things like that. So I was able to do a lot of diagnosing and treatment and management of things like HIV and syphilis and tuberculosis and gonorrhea as well. But when you're out there and you're looking for your primary care doctor, please take the time to investigate what type of doctor he is. And you want to make sure that he's somebody who knows what he's talking about and understands the research process and reference to looking at studies and things like that to say, has this been tried and true and tested? And am I going to be doing my patient a service or a disservice by making a recommendation for a, a simple thing? I'm not sure if you were aware, but recently the recommendation came out for azithromycin uh, and chloroquine for coronavirus, and someone yes. did not read it correctly and actually took the wrong type of chloroquine, the chloroquine that we use to give fish to treat parasitic infection, and now that person is is dead. He, he passed away. So it does really oh matter that, you're, yeah, that your doctor understands how to look at a study and not just not just rubber stamp everything like, yeah, that's good for you. I get a lot of patients asking me about St. John's Wort. Um, I get a lot of patients asking me about multivitamins, uh, A, D, E, and K. And I mean, I can list the name of things. Some things I can definitely say, you know what? I've read the literature and there's a randomized controlled trial that says that this is either good for you or not good for you. There are other times when I have to say, you know what? There's no, there's no clinical trials on this. I cannot give you an yeah. opinion about this mm-hmm. because it's just not there. And I'm, yeah. you know, I'm willing to do that. I'm, I'm not going to rubber stamp anything that somebody brings to me. I'm going to take the time to actually go out there and seek uh, guidance from any clinical trials. But if they're not there, I'm, I'm okay with saying that. You know what? We don't know. Yeah. And that speaks a lot just on your integrity, especially as a physician, because being a physician, you are the know-all in all. And we as 
patients as population depend on your knowledge and you know your ability to translate that into your practice and how you know what treatments you prescribe and so i think that's really great that you are really big on making sure that you know you're going to give the information that's evidence-based and that's current and if there isn't any out there that's you're going to be transparent in you know having a conversation with those patients um speaking of just the, 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 the infectious diseases and the viruses and things that is kind of swarming around us right now. Um, you know, in respect to the COVID-19 um, and just how it had just massively just kind of taken over over the last couple of weeks, you know, what's your, I mean, you being um, very um, knowledgeable in this area, like what is your, what is your, um, your take on the volatility of it and like, have you seen anything, what, what would you compare this to or is there anything to compare this to? Uh, most people probably would compare it to the Spanish flu uh, epidemic. So, you know, we do have something to kind of compare it to, but this is like no, nothing, there's no, nothing else that we know of that has hit us like this at this time. It's really stretching our healthcare system and healthcare resources uh, to a, a tremendous uh, amount. Right before uh, this podcast, I was on a call, a webinar with the, uh, sur the uh, Surgeon General um, of the United States uh, with a group called the National Medical Association. He was updating us in terms of the things that are going on right now. I can tell you he's been saying the same thing uh, is to brace yourselves because we may not have seen the worst of it yet. Uh, here in the United States, we are blessed to do a lot of testing that other countries uh, could not do. We're doing it very quickly. So we're getting more tests done. And so our numbers are probably going to go up um, for quite a while before it begins to slow down for, for that particular reason. So we want, we want to make sure that people are doing what they need to do in terms of hand washing and social distancing and, and things like that, everything that they've put out uh, thus far. If, you, if you're symptomatic at all with you know, fevers and uh, cough and shortness of breath, make sure you're calling your primary care doctor to figure out, is this something that needs to be evaluated and if it needs to be tested for a coronavirus? Right now, we have a shortage of testing. So, of course, testing is going to be done on the sickest patients that are in the hospital. Mm -hmm. But your primary care doctor should have access to get you a test if he feels in his, uh, his clinical judgment that you may be uh, infected with coronavirus. Those are great instructions. And one of the things that um, you mentioned that I think is so important is understanding what to expect hypothetically moving forward there's going to be a high a spike before it start and we're i don't know where we're at in relevance to our our incline but understanding <laughs> that you know <laughs> we're it's on the way up, up the roller coaster. Yeah. yes yeah and, and you said why i definitely don't yes you're testing more which means it's going to create more cases more but that's what we need to be able to yes. kind of you know be able to focus on knowing you know what's what's happening in real time you know absolutely um uh, as an epidemiologist you want to know where everything is because you want to be able to give the resources appropriately whereas new york city is a hot spot right now that's going to change and we want to be able to get the ventilators get the, the you know everything that we can do the, the resources the people the nurses the gowns the gloves all those things need to be um pre-stocked and, and placed at different places. So that is the purpose of this testing. It will give us an idea of where the hot spots are going to be. Yeah, yeah. So for for the areas that you know may, do you feel like because 
right now New York is really it is the hot spot and there are a few cities New Jersey are coming right behind it um, when you see that you know you think okay they're they're in the midst of it but you're not thinking about okay that could easy transition over you know to where i live you know so outside of the social distancing and continue with you know, the, the hand sanitation and the, the precautions that we've generally been taking what are some other things that you would recommend for people that's in areas that may not be at a higher rate but definitely have the potential like any other area so so in addition to doing everything that the Surgeon General has been saying every day about hand washing and social distancing, just remember some good old facts that this is a virus. So, you know, we don't have a cure for viruses. That it, The way this virus is spread is through person to person. And that usually means within six feet. So the best thing you can do, stay away, stay, uh, stay home or stay within six feet if you have to be somewhere. And here in Missouri, we're saying no more than 10 people at, uh, in, in, at any one time. We're practicing social distancing just today with you're in one place and I'm in the other place. A great true, example of what, we're, of what we're talking about. When you get past that, protect yourself and protect your family by staying informed in terms of what's going on. The best resource that I've been using is the CDC's website. If you go to cdc.gov, they have a, a mm -hmm. whole website there for coronavirus, and it does break it down to if you are a business owner, if you're uh, a own a church, or if you're a church person, uh, if you're a, a person that works in an office, or if you're a person that works in a hospital. So it, they do try to break it down to the things that are are meaningful to you. Uh, the second thing is prepare for possible illness. You know, if you're at home and we're asking you to shelter in place. There may be um, an elder person at the house with you, a grandmother, grandfather, or auntie, or whatever. Look out for that person. Make sure that person has at least two weeks of their medications. Make sure you have enough food and water okay. for at least two weeks so that you do not have to uh, leave the house if unnecessary. Uh, understand that somebody may get sick at home, and so you may have to have a sick room where if somebody's not feeling that great, if they begin to show signs of fevers or something like that, you may want to put isolate those people in the home in a room separate from everybody else so that everybody else doesn't come down with something at the same time. Uh, don't forget about the hand washing. Avoid touching your eyes, your nose, your mouth. Stay home when you're sick. Don't go to work, even though there may be pressures mm -hmm. for you to do that. With the acts that the president is passing, you should be okay. We, we would much rather you stay home than to try to be a violent soldier or something, come out when you're sick with a fever, sharpness, breath, or some of the other things. Watch for symptoms. If you begin to have trouble breathing, chest pressure, high fevers, and things like that, you may need to call 911 and utilize those sources. The other place would be to call your primary care doctor to see if he can get you in to get evaluated. As a primary care doctor, we are doing that in my office. Uh, we are okay. practicing social distancing at the office. There's no more than three people in the exam in the uh, lobby or the waiting room at any one time. We're moving patients directly into their own uh, exam rooms. We're only using the equipment in that exam room on that patient. And then as soon as the patients are leaving, everything is disinfected and clean for that particular person. Uh, don't be surprised if your doctor gives you a facial uh, mask to wear if you're presenting with symptoms such as fever, uh, sneezing, coughing, and things like that. I would tell you even at home, if you're if you're coughing or sneezing, remember to you know cough or sneeze into tissue, and then get rid of that tissue into uh, trash uh, trash can 
as soon as possible. Don't let things sit on tabletops and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, wow. That's great information. Those are the thoughts. Those are some precautions that I haven't even thought about. And I think those are great for people to hear because you hear all the, 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 the major steps, but you never thought about how to be prepared, you know, how to set up your home if someone in your family has this, you know, how to think ahead as far as having a medication and having things available. Um, sneezing inside of it. You think it's common sense, but sneezing inside yes. of, you know, being more, more, uh, being more, uh, aware and intentional you know to you know keep Absolutely. things as, as tightly as possible uh, so those are great examples i think i appreciate that i know the viewers and listeners will as well now the last thing i just want to kind of bring in into the fold of this is you know i know uh communities that have compromised immune systems are the ones that are going to be susceptible to a higher um you know maybe more towards a higher mortality with this you know in light of just um that population, but just maybe people that may not have any of those um, um, those type of uh, predispositions, health health related predispositions. How can how would you recommend a general population to find ways to enhance their own immunity system? Just to, if they if they do encounter this day, their body can fend it off um, as best as possible. You know, I think when we look at our own body's immune system, it's the stuff that we are told all the times about getting enough sleep at nighttime, at least six hours of sleep uh, every night, drinking our fluids as much as possible. And although it may be a little hard right now, but exercise, if you can keep that uh, 40 minutes, four days a week of aerobic exercise going, that's going to uh, drive a lot of catecholamines and endorphins inside of you that may be helpful to you at this time. I can tell you right now in my practice, and I believe across the board, we are seeing a lot more people who are not dealing with this situation that well. They're very stressed yeah. out. Uh, just the other day, I had a nurse at one of our major hospitals who came in to see us, and it was obvious by what she was saying to me that she was depressed and having a, a, a very hard time dealing with what she was being asked to do as an intensive care unit nurse 12 hour mm -hmm. shifts taking care of some of the sickest people right now to the point where she did not want to go to work the next day she wanted to give up her whole career of nursing based on what she had been through for these past couple of days this is no joke the people who are on the front line are seeing some really tough things right now and we're asking them to stay professional and do their jobs uh, even when we are not maybe giving them all of the equipment that they need to protect themselves with at, at, uh, at sometimes. So uh, I would tell you, be very careful about stress and how you're going to deal and cope with it. Uh, uh, know that we can't control what life brings us. However, we can control how we respond to it. And so we want to make sure we know that this is not going to, this environment that we're in right now is not going to last always. Uh, as you talked mm -hmm. about before, there is a curve. And at one point, that curve will bend and, and, and we will plateau and we will go down. Uh, so to keep things in focus, make sure you're getting good information. But sometimes it may be helpful just to turn that television off. Give yourself a True. break. Today is Saturday. Yes. <laughs> today is Saturday. So I'm going to take a, um, a break from coronavirus today and I'm not going to watch <laughs> anything related to coronavirus today. Today would be yeah. the day to watch Madam C.J. Walker or something on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> did you get paid for that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, they did not pay me to say that, 
But I want I want my patients to get some kind of joy through all of this. Yeah. We totally understand it, that we are in this together yeah. and we're staying home together. But we do have to find ways to relieve stress, whether that's just taking a mental break, uh, breathing exercises, whatever you may find helpful to you to do, you need to do that because um, uh, stress is stress is going to be the worst thing on your immune system uh, at this time right now. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. And I'm just going to throw in that plug about, you know, looking at our body internally and in the inner workings of it and just making sure your body can just be optimized. You know, it's only us. It's, it's a couple of ways your body's going to be optimized by moving it, you know, your mental stress that connects to everything. But what are you putting in it? You know, you know, I definitely sure. going to grab a salad tomorrow. is not going to give you the biggest immune immunity towards this disease, but you're starting to create those building blocks to where your body, yes. you're giving your body those nutrients that it needs to do the small stuff that turns into the big stuff when it comes to your immunity system. So I, you know, Obviously, as a, as a physician, you definitely um, are an advocate for this. But how are we, you know, what are we doing every day that's in, that we can do on our own to improve our health? Uh, and that is making sure in light of in spite of what's going on, we still have accessibility to grocery stores. They have delivery services. So we have the ability to just make sure that we're giving our body the healthy nutrients that it needs so it can have everything. We can do the best we can on our end you know, to fend off this disease or even the effects of it, you know? So I totally agree with you on that. Um, so as we're wrapping up, I um, do want to let you know that you have come with some profound information. This is great for everyone to hear because we're reading it, we're watching it on the news, but we just really don't have like the voice that just kind of can bring in, bring in direct information from what they practice on a regular basis. So it's great to have this conversation. Um, now, that um, what I wanna do is make sure that anyone that has any more questions or they really have really liked um, the way that you are handling this and your perspective, I want to make sure they know how to reach you, where you're at. Um, so if you don't mind, um, definitely let us know where your address, where you're at in St. Louis, um, as well as uh, other ways we can find you, your website, um, any, any ways that, that um, people can connect and find you. I think the, uh, the easiest way is to call our office and our telephone number is 314-833-4001. And we are located in the Met in the Watson Medical Building at 3915 Watson Road in St. Louis, Missouri. And we're actually in South St. Louis City or in the Lindenwood community area. A lot of people know where okay. Ted Drew is and we're right up the street from Ted, Ted Drew's. My uh, yeah. email, uh, and we do have a secure email if patients want to just send us an email and say, hey, can I get an appointment or, or hey, can, um, um, can you answer this question or so? It's office at mileshealthcare.com. And miles is spelled M-Y-L-E-S. Healthcare is H-E-A-L-T-H-C-A-R-E.com. We do have a website, and the website is my name as well, mileshealthcare.com. We have a Facebook page. The Facebook page is my former uh, uh, company name, Dr. Otha Miles and Associates. So check us out on Facebook okay. as well. I got my okay. wife helping me out with that, so she will appreciate it if you like the page or something like that. Oh, definitely. Well, when, when we get ready to post this, I will make sure all that information is, is on there because I want um, there are people to know you're welcome. 
I want people to know there are resources out there that could at least inform them. Um, there's a service out there that they can find that's a good fit for them. Um, just knowing, you know, that you have all of these, um, ex these uh, it's education in so many areas of medicine. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that has no idea that this is a, that this is out that that you are physicians like you exist. Um, and so I really hope that. Um, they are able to see and find you and be able to, you're able to help them as you're moving forward with the community. So um, Dr. Miles, I am glad you took your Saturday afternoon to have this conversation. I do appreciate you um, just giving your knowledge and just giving your passion um, in, in light of what's going on today. Um, and I um, just want to just say thank you. Well, thank you so much for the invitation, Rashonda. And we are praying that you will come by Miles Healthcare and work with some of our patients and have some discussions with them about um, uh, healthier nutrition. Well, yes, I'm definitely uh, on board for that one. So, yes. um, for sure. <laughs> we're going to have to the team up in this thing. We're on the same, exactly. on the same line for the health the community. Um, so, exactly. everyone, that's, this is Rashonda Thornton, a dietitian against diets with Dr. Miles here. Um, again, these, these conversations like this is needed. Um, let's talk about health and not just our physical health, but our uh, mental health and our hope and our just emotional health, especially during these times. So continue to watch these episodes, continue to learn and continue to change your perspective and the way you interact with your health and your nutrition. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Okay, so I can help you guys were taking notes on that conversation. Uh, I'm glad that it was on record so I can go back and just write some of those things down. Valuable information that I haven't even thought about given the times. Um, as I'm closing out, I wanted to recognize uh, one of my partners, um, Precision Massage. They're actually here in St. Louis. Uh, right now, you know, I know that uh, we're all hooped up in the house and uh, we're not moving, so our body's probably getting tight. And I'm sure that we would love to have the relief of just getting a good massage. Well, let me kind of distinguish what this company is because it's not just a massage company. Um, it provides targeted pain relief using neuromuscular therapy. Um, and that's the most efficient and effective way for pain solutions. Um, this actually has become one of the essential um, healthcare services that's happening right now because if you can't get to your physical therapist, um, um, Beth Madison, who is the owner, she actually is uh, was a licensed physical therapist and she went on to get certified in neuromuscular um, therapy as well as massage therapy. So she's kind of that gateway and that gap in between. So she's offering gift cards right now. She's taking um, appointments very, very maybe like maybe four or five a day because definitely want to be, be respectable of what's going on, but know that people need those type of services as, as in regards to these times. So if you need emergency attention or you can't get to your physical therapist, reach out to Precision Massage and set an appointment with Beth. Go to their website at precision-massage.com and you can set up an appointment and learn more about their company. Another company that's around that it definitely is a good time to, <laughs> when it comes to your nutrition and your health, to consider is um, Bannerow Baking Company. So Bannerow Baking Company has been coined as the world's best granola. And what makes this the best? Well, first of all, all the ingredients are coming, um, are organic. There's no artificial flavors in their, their um, granolas, um, and everything is natural. Um, they also collaborate with um, other companies and industries that in surrounding St. Louis area to, to gather some of their components for the ingredients. So they're big on collaboration with other companies to continue to spread nutritious eating. Um, they're also big about sustainability. They're, they're um, tin cans, if you haven't seen them yet. They're all um, 
they're recyclable and decomposable to where you can um you don't have to worry about them contributing to um you know the i guess our wasters that we have in the u.s uh, and they're and one of the things is that they come in two different sizes she has a two ounce and a four ounce two ounce you can throw it in your backpack in your purse as a snack or four ounces and larger no 11 ounces you can um, use it as a gift or have it stacked up in your home for when you're bringing in your snacks uh, right now um, they are offering free delivery for any um, purchase over $25 um, and if you put in code all capital words stay strong um, um, you will get free delivery services all the way up until April 15th. Um, go to their website at bannerroad.com, see the varieties of their unique granolas. Follow them on, um, on Instagram at Banner Road, or you can follow them on uh, Facebook as well. Banner Road, all about bringing in nutritious, healthy, uh, whole ingredients to your table. Thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, um, and I will see you next time.